0: Galatians chapter 3, Galatians chapter 3, I, I love the hymns today, um, I was going to say if you've ever wondered what my funeral will be like, it was kind of like that, but then I thought that would be morbid, but then I thought it's Halloween, so let's give it a run anyway, so yeah, it wasn't on purpose, yeah, Nathan wasn't trying to prove a point, but man, I love every last one of those hymns. Goodness gracious. Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3 verses 15 through 18. If you have your Bibles open there, I'm going to invite you, if you would, stand with me out of reverence for the reading of the words of our God. Paul writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in such a way that as the words on this page are being read, God himself is speaking to us, beginning verse 15, to give a human example, brothers, even with a man made covenant, no one annuls it or adds to it once it has been ratified. Now, the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say, and to offsprings, referring to many, but referring to one, and to your offspring who is Christ. This is what I mean. The law, which came 430 years afterward, does not annul a covenant previously ratified by God, so as to make the promise void. For if the inheritance comes by the law, it no longer comes by a promise, but God gave it to Abraham by a promise. Let's pray together. Oh God, I ask if you would Would you please take this difficult few verses and reveal to us in our hearts by your Spirit. Illuminate for us the meaning of this text as your word is preached. And, oh God, would you allow us to be changed by the preaching of your word? It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. You don't have to answer this out loud, but let me ask you a question. As we begin this morning, think, think, think about this. When you think about the Old Testament, when you think about the Old Testament, what pops in your mind first? What's the first thing that pops into your brain when you think about the Old Testament? What jumps in there first? Now, I've got a guess, and I'm not you know, a, a, a TV magician or anything like that, but um, but I've got a guess. I bet the first thing that pops in your mind is the law, right? You immediately think about the law. You immediately, usually our brains, when we think about the Old Testament, our brains tend to go straight to Sinai. But I want you to rearrange your thinking. In fact, I think that's what Paul is driving home for the Galatians in this passage. And I hope it'll be driven home for us today. And it's this reality. When you think about the Old Testament, the first word I want you to think about is not law, but promise. Don't don't first go to the law. The law is important. The law matters. We're going to talk about that in the weeks to come. But, But the first thing you think about, the fundamental center of the Old Testament is promise. Now, let me ask you this question. Who here has ever made a promise? you guys ever made a promise? All right. Who here has ever had a promise made to them? Okay, let me just tell you something, kids, about your parents. <laughs> and, and just I'm going to help you guys communicate better with each other. If you're a kid here today, let me ask you this question. Have your parents ever said, "We'll see? Now, when you hear that, what you hear is a promise. But when your parents say that, what they mean is, it ain't happening. Yeah. Now, I just thought I'd go ahead and tell you so you didn't have to learn that the hard way. You've, you've learned it the hard way a few times already, but it's broken your little hearts because you thought they made a promise and they broke it, but they didn't. They didn't. You just didn't have the wisdom to know that they were putting you off so they didn't have to say no immediately. But promises matter, though, right? And, and, and let me ask you this, kids. If you've ever had someone break a promise, it hurts, doesn't it? It's hard when someone breaks a promise. Adults, I bet you've had someone break a promise at some point in your life. It hurts. Promises are important. In fact, one of the oldest tricks in the book, right, is to make a promise but say later, well, I have my fingers crossed. Or, well, there was this stipulation or that stipulation. Oh, sure, yeah, absolutely, this deal's as good as it could ever be. You just didn't read all the fine print. You didn't know. You, oh, what a free, wonderful free vacation. Little did you know you have to spend three hours a day being sold something to get it for free. We all recognize that it hurts when a promise is broken. It might even be worse when we feel like there's a little bit of a bait and switch. Some of you have been lulled into thinking about God in wrong ways. Maybe you're cold toward God, and you're maybe even cold to His promises because you think that you've not kept His law enough to deserve His love and grace. Sure, God made promises. Sure, there's all kinds of promises, but, Pastor, haven't you read the law? Don't you see the way that even though God made promises to His people, do you know what my life's like? Do you know how I act? Do you know how horrible I am? Do you know how many times I've broken the law? God, I don't deserve His love and grace. My friends, that's precisely the point of the Bible, and in particular, that's precisely the point of Galatians. Nobody, nobody has kept God's law enough to deserve His love and grace. In fact, it wouldn't be grace if you had to earn it. And God's promises wouldn't be promises. Listen carefully. God's promises wouldn't be genuine, gracious promises if after he made a promise, he came back later and said, well, what you didn't know is to receive this promise, what you actually have to do is keep all these rules that I've given you. You see, I want you to trust this morning that God keeps his promise promises i want you to hear that god has made promises to you i want you to receive them by faith and i want you to know that that reality that those promises are fulfilled in the gospel of jesus christ and that you can only receive them by faith with that reality that truth received by faith will transform your life 10 times over before a single law gets obeyed once truly authentically and fully. I want to show you three truths today. Three truths that I believe will bolster your faith that will help you remember that God makes promises and he keeps those promises through his son Jesus Christ. Three truths this morning. Here's the first. God's promises are irrevocable. They can't be revoked. They can't, okay, God does not, let me put it like this, God doesn't cross his fingers when he makes promises it's always for keepsies when God makes promises it's real it's authentic notice what Paul starts to say he's he's trying to help the Galatians see that righteousness is not by the law and then he goes on and tries to illustrate this fact and so you can see the way that he's using an illustration in verse 15 let me give you a human example brothers In other words, what what you might be saying at this point as we talk about the gospel, as we talk about grace, even as we've worked through Galatians, and many of you another time are working through law and gospel. You're working through grace and obedience. You're thinking through these things. You're trying to understand these things. Maybe you're saying, well, what's all this law for? Why in the world do we have the Old Testament if all it is is law? That's the point that Paul's trying to make. The center of the Old Testament is not the law. The center of the Old Testament is promises that God made. Notice what he says. To give a human example, brothers. Now some of you might still be a little raw from Paul calling the Galatians foolish. Okay, oh foolish Galatians. Well here he calls them brothers. So we can all settle back down. He's back to love here. To give a human example, brothers. Even with a man-made covenant. No one annuls it or adds to it once it has been ratified now all of us have examples in our hearts and minds of the way that man's justice has failed i don't know what primary example you have when you think about justice failing but all of us recognize that justice in this life is imperfect but even then paul says think about man's justice system if a covenant is ratified that is if two people enter into a covenant agreement and they sign on paper this is what we're going to do Or, for example, if someone puts on paper, this is where my earthly belongings will go when I die, if they have a last will and testament. We don't go back then and say, well, no, that's not really what I meant. Or no, that's not really what they meant. Paul appeals to man's justice system and says, even with a man-made covenant, no one annuls it or adds to it once it has been ratified. That means then... If a covenant or even a will, if you look at your legal system and you enter into a contract or an agreement with someone and it's irrevocable here in this world, how much more should we recognize that God's covenant is irrevocable? How much more should we recognize and realize that God would never go back on His promises? If you think our justice is sure, if you think our justice is solid, if you think our justice is what matters most, then imagine then with God who is the source of all justice. Oh, sweet child of God. There, there may be some of you in this room right now who think maybe God goes back on His promises. Maybe God doesn't really love me as much as the Bible says God loves me. Maybe, maybe the preacher's sort of overstating this love and grace thing. If you wouldn't do it. In fact, if you'd get run off a playground, at the local elementary school for breaking a promise. If a judge couldn't order it, if even here in our feeble attempts to be just, we know it's unthinkable to make this sort of change, do you think there's even a corner of the heart of a perfectly just and a perfectly loving God where it's possible that God could go back on His promises? Don't you know what the Bible says? Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I know right now, when I say God loves you, I know where your mind goes. I know where your heart goes. If I were to say, how do you know? How do you know? How do you know that God loves you? I know where your heart would go. I know where your mind would go. It would go to the cross, wouldn't it? When you think when you start trying to think about the love of God, isn't that where your heart and mind would go? You start to think about, how do I know God loves me if you just felt like I don't believe God loves me? How would I where would I go? How do I know he loves me? I would encourage you to immediately go to the cross. Go to Golgotha, think about Jesus who sweat great drops of blood for you before he even began to suffer physically on the cross. Think about the fact that love kept Jesus on the cross. Think about the fact that he could have called down myriads and myriads and legions and legions of angels. Luther alludes to that in his hymn when he calls Jesus Lord Savaoth. It means Lord of armies or God of armies. He's saying Jesus is at any moment with a simple snap of his fingers with a simple word spoken could have called down all the armies of heaven to deliver him from the evil of the hour and yet there he remained because of love and the bible says that jesus christ is the same yesterday today and forever isn't that beautiful that before the world ever began jesus loved you just as much as he did when he was dying on the cross for you And when He was dying on the cross for you, what better tangible picture and outward expression of the eternal, depthless love of God did we see at the cross. And right now, O saint, O you who have faith and trust in Jesus, don't think for a moment that Jesus has changed one little bit. There is not the slightest dimming in His love that's happened from the day at Calvary until this very moment. God doesn't go back on His promises. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. As the great hymn says, there is no shadow of turning in Thee. Do you think, my friends, now that you've been saved by grace, now that you've been welcomed into the loving family of God, do you think that there's a technicality in the contract? There's not. God hasn't changed Christ hasn't changed. His love hasn't waned. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God's promises are irrevocable. He won't go back on His promises. But second of all, God's promises are Christ-centered. God's promises are Christ-centered. Now, so often, I think... That we misunderstand the Old Testament. We misunderstand what God's doing in the Old Testament because we think it's about the law. And we think it's really a stretch to think that the Old Testament's about Jesus because it sure seems to be chock full of rules. But when you really go back and realize that the center of the Old Testament are the promises that God made to Abraham, the covenant that God made with Abraham, saying that all the nations of the world will be blessed through Abraham, saying that God's people essentially will be delivered from their sins through a seed of Abraham, through a descendant of Abraham. When we start to think that way, when we start to see the Old Testament that way, it becomes clear to us that every jot and tittle of the Bible is about the Lord Jesus Christ. I have such good news for you, my friends. I have such good news for you. Every promise of God that is sweet to you. I I just want you to stop for a moment and think of one that you like. I hope you've got a a promise of God that you like. If not, let let me mention it for you. God has promised that He would love His people no matter what. He would have steadfast love for His people. What a sweet promise. God has promised that those who put faith and trust in Him will live unto Him forever. They'll be adopted into His family. What a, what a sweet promise. God has promised that He will shower His people with blessings forever and ever. What a sweet promise. And some of us sometimes in our lives feel cut off from the promises of God. We feel distant from the promises of God. But I want you to know something, my friends. God God will go back on His promises to you. God, God will abandon His promises to you. God will give up on His promises to you just as soon as He abandons His Son, Jesus Christ. Just as soon as He gives up on His Son, Jesus Christ. And surely you know, you might say, I don't know if Jesus, if God loves me or not, but surely you believe he loves his son. Surely you believe he's committed to his son. And don't you see the way that every promise that God has made you his people is in and through and for Jesus Christ. And so no matter how feeble your faith may be, no matter how weak your works may be, no matter how much you may struggle with trusting God, Jesus has got you in his hand. And the Father's hands are wrapped around the hands of the Son. Nothing can take you from your Father. Nothing can take you from His Son. All of God's promises are in, through, and for Jesus Christ. That sounds good, Pastor. That sounds good. I love that idea. But I just can't do it. I just can't trust God's promises. You don't understand my circumstances. You don't know what I'm going through. You don't know the feeling I have when I log in on my banking app and wait to see how much money there is today. Not for fun, but for food. You you, you don't know how I feel when I'm analyzing the mood and the attitude of my boss every day out of fear that I might be losing my job. You don't know what it's like To have a child off and out of the home and God knows where they are. God knows what they're doing. You don't know what it's like to have the kind of past I have. The kind of sin I have. You don't know what goes through my mind every day. You don't know the thoughts I've had. The sins I've committed. How can I trust God's promises? How how can I trust that God will keep His promises? What a wonderful model we have of someone who went before us and trusted God's promises at every turn. I'm lonely, Pastor. How can I trust God's promises? Wasn't our Lord despised and forsaken of man? And yet He cherished the promises of His Father. But I'm tempted, Pastor. You can't believe the pressure and the strength of the temptations I feel. Wasn't Jesus tempted for 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness? You can't even skip breakfast and stay happy. And yet the Lord fasted for such a long time and yet was faithful. He was tempted and was faithful in all things. My life, Pastor, my life looks nothing like what I had planned. It looks nothing, especially like the promises that God had. He promised these blessings. He promised these good things. Why should I trust God's promises? Wasn't Jesus' earthly life a far cry from what you would expect for the King of kings? And the Lord of lords, if you spoke this place into existence, wouldn't you expect different treatment once you got here than that which the Lord Jesus Christ experienced? I'm suffering, Pastor. I- I'm suffering. You don't know what I'm going through. You don't know the pain I'm experiencing. You don't understand the suffering that I'm going through. How can I trust God's promises? Oh, my friends, didn't the Lord Jesus suffer? The beloved of God, the one who's seated even now at his right hand, did he not suffer on the cross? And indeed, did he not suffer on the cross in order that the promises of God might be permanently and eternally secured for those who would put their faith and trust in Him? Don't you see the way that Jesus is the center of the Bible? In the way that as our model, as the author of our faith, and as the one who died on the cross, as the perfecter of our faith, don't you see the way that Jesus has all of God's promises finding their yes and amen in Him? He secures God's promises for us. They're irrevocable. They're Christ centered. And finally, God's promises are given and kept by grace. God's promises are given and kept by grace. As I've mentioned already, we, we tend to think that the law is the center of the Old Testament, but it is not. The promise is. You, you, you see... Now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say and to offsprings, referring to many, but referring to one, and to your offspring who is Christ. The promises are Christ-centered. All these promises that God met are rooted in Christ. But then he goes on. This is what I mean. The law, which came 430 years afterward, does not annul a covenant previously ratified by God so as to make the promise void. That is, God made a promise to Abraham and it was hundreds of years later that God gave the law to Moses. What makes us think that all of a sudden, nearly half a century oh, centuries later, what makes us think, almost half a millennium later, what makes us think for a moment that suddenly God would change his mind? No, just because later the law came about, that does not mean that God's promises are now null and void. No, that's not what it means at all. God's promises stand no matter what. And next week, we'll begin talking about what the law is for, what we need to do with the law. But you see, we tend to think it's the center of the Old Testament, but as I've said, it's not. The the promises of God are the center of the Old Testament. And we tend to think that the law is the way to receive the favor and blessing of God. But it's not. We receive the favor and blessing of God only... By grace through faith. God makes promises, not based on how good we are or what we've done, but based on His own grace and mercy, and we respond to those and receive those by faith. The law can't be the center of the Old Testament. It can't be the center of the Bible. It it can't be the center of religion, because the law came after the covenant with Abraham, and the law that was added hundreds of years later cannot change a covenant that God made. God would cease be God oh my friend I know where your heart is you long for the promises of God to be true you long for them in your life and there's such a temptation I know how you're tempted you're tempted like I'm tempted you want God's promises. You long for God's promises. You want to see all that the God has promised to come true in your life. And so deep down inside you think, I need to go to the law just to make sure. That's what the Judaizers are saying to the Galatians. Maybe, maybe, here's what we think. I know we believe in grace and everything, but let's just be safe. Let's go back to the law. Let's add some law to the promise. Let's add some law to grace just to be sure just to make sure that we receive the promised inheritance. You see what the Bible says, don't you? If the inheritance comes by the law, it no longer comes by promise, but God gave it to Abraham by a promise. What God has promised to Abraham, what God has promised to you, only comes by grace through faith. It's it's not based on what we do It's not based on what we can do. It's not based on our works. It's not based on how good we are. Your admittance into this body of believers is not based on how good you are. Isn't that good news? I mean, isn't it wonderful to know that to be a part of the family of God, you don't have to show some sort of pedigree card? We are all children of Abraham and therefore children of God by faith and through faith, and the promises of God that were given through and for Jesus Christ. So long as you're united to Jesus, you are an heir with Christ, the Bible says. You get treated just like Jesus. My sister is in the process of adopting a little baby girl from India. And they've been matched, and they just got, uh, in the last week or so, they just got Uh, matched and they've been matched but they just got cleared and so they're just waiting to hear about going to get their little girl some of you have been following some of that and we're so excited to have another child in our family i'm excited i've got some nieces and nephews who are a little older and i'm thankful but i'm excited to be uncle matt again excited about it the sweet little girl but isn't it amazing to think that my parents their grandparents are going to treat that little girl, Ruth Ann, just like they treat their other grandchildren. Now, she's not from Boaz, Alabama. Okay? She doesn't have, I mean, she doesn't have a molecule of Alexander blood in her. And yet, she'll be just as much a part of the family as Winfred Paul Alexander, as Emily Watts Alexander. James, Augustus, Gunner, every single one of our kids and our other nieces and nephews, they're all a part of the family. They'll be treated no differently. She'll be treated just like a part of the family. And here's what the Bible's saying is if you trust and put your faith in Jesus, you're part of the family. You're part of the family just like Jesus is. Sure you've been grafted in. Sure you've been adopted. Sure you've been brought in. But you've been brought in by faith the exact same way that Abraham was brought into. To the family of God, we don't go back to the law, we cherish the promise. You think ever there'll be a day when we say, now listen, if you don't start acting right, you're not gonna be a part of this family anymore. Oh, God forbid that we would ever treat anyone that way. My friends, we don't look to tablets of stone written with law to make us holy and pure. We, we, we don't look to Moses with a glowing face. If that doesn't get you out of the family, what well, does? You know We don't look to Moses with a glowing face, bringing law down the mountain to be reminded that God loves us. We don't look to tablets of stone to make sure we're in the family of God. We look to the rock of ages, cleft by the wrath of God at the cross, for the righteousness that He only He can supply. Rock of ages, cleft from me. Let me hide myself in thee. Let the water and the blood from thy wounded side which flowed be of sin the double cure. Save from wrath and make me pure. Not the labors of my hands can fulfill thy law's demands. These for sin could not atone. Thou must save And Thou alone, in my hand, no price I bring, simply to Thy cross I cling. By faith, through grace, alone. I want to offer an invitation this morning. If you've never put your trust and faith in Jesus for the first time, if you've heard the gospel today, and you want to respond to it, you believe And in believing, you'll turn from your sins in repentance and turn to God in faith. And I believe Jesus will save you because of what He's done for you on the cross. You bring nothing to Him but your sin. And oh, my friends, that's all you need to be saved. Sin plus faith. Jesus will take care of the sin and He'll receive you by faith. Second of all, you may be a believer who just needs some time to pray to ask God to draw you nearer to Himself. This altar is open for you, and I'd love to talk to you today. And finally, you may be looking for a church home. It would be my joy to talk to you today about what it means to be a member here at First Baptist Church. After this prayer, I want to invite you to come. Let's pray together.